Hey, everybody. Wendy Sellers here, the HR lady here with my co-host, JC. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha to yourself. Hey, JC, do you ever ask yourself, what do young workers want? No, never. <laughs> they they should be thankful them. they have jobs. No, I mean, honest to goodness, I think about this quite often. And I I really, truly, in my heart of hearts, I don't want to give away too much, Wendy, but you asked the question. In my heart of hearts, I partially think that they think to themselves. So I had to interview 72 times off over 15 employers for this. You know, I mean, like that yeah. might be what's going through my head most of the time. But yeah, anyways, back to you. Yeah, they're probably also thinking this world is insane. Just let me do my job and go home. You know what's better than us? You know, Gen X going, hey, let's figure this out. Why don't we just ask a younger worker what the heck they want out of life, out of their workplace? So with that said, we have a younger worker with us today whose name shall be Ray for the purposes of this podcast. And I want to just jump in and immediately ask Ray, our special guest, Hey, how you doing? And what the heck is your work experience? First of all, hello, Ray. Hi, Wendy. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for coming. You and I were recently having, I'll just say, a cocktail somewhere in a professional setting, and you were talking about things that young workers want, specifically you. And I said, hold on, hold on. I need you on my podcast because I need everybody to hear this. So, you know, what what do you want from from work? But before you go there, what What's your current role? Not necessarily where you're at, but what do you do and how long have you been in this role? Yeah, so currently I am a paid media manager. I've been in the role for about a year and a half. So in that role, I manage a few people and I also manage pretty large advertising budgets and really just carry out multi-channel campaigns, you know, across Facebook, TikTok, Google, programmatic media. So really anywhere that you could really imagine, you know, digital advertising being placed, connected TV. And overall, I've been in the digital advertising world for six years now. Okay, congratulations. Wow, you're you're managing people. That That's a lot of fun, isn't it? Chuckle, <laughs> chuckle. Yeah, so fun. It's a lot of responsibility that regardless of what your age is, whether you're 21 or 70, it is a lot of responsibility. And especially now in 2024, there's so many things going on in the world and laws that you have to comply with. And then there's a shortage of of staff. It's hard to attract people. It's hard to retain people. And unfortunately, managers get blamed for it. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's not. We'll go on that tangent on a different podcast. What do you consider yourself? Are you a millennial or a Gen Z? I'm a millennial, but I am definitely one of the youngest years of millennial. If I was born a year or two later, I think I would technically be, be Gen Z. So I'm really right on that cost. Okay. All right. Perfect. This is the perfect audience that we're, we're looking for here. The perfect person to talk to our audience. You know, this is a big question. What do you think influences your expectations at, at work? Is it world events? Is it local events? Is it what's going on in your life on a day-to-day -day ba basis? What are your influences? Like when you got into this job six years ago, what were your expectations? And I dare ask, have they been met? Yeah, I think my expectations have really evolved a lot. And I think that some of that has been due to world events and just kind of the general changing attitudes towards work. I feel like it's, you know, pretty well known that there are a lot of, you know, Gen Z and millennial workers, you know, on TikTok, just kind of discussing, you know, what 
what our expectations are just kind of generally as a group and the way that we've been treated. And I, I've also had a lot of experiences personally where I've been treated really, really poorly in work environments. And you know, I think that part of that is you know, I was willing to put up with that because I was just getting my foot in the door. But I think that also part of that is not knowing what to expect. And I think that, you know, a platform like TikTok, where people are sharing their experiences, sharing their ideas, sharing their expectations, it kind of makes it a lot easier to kind of level set and be like, oh, okay, like, that's not normal. I shouldn't have to do that. And I think that, you know, each person obviously takes that with a grain of salt. But I do think that generally, like that online conversation has very greatly influenced kind of the expectations of workers. And honestly, has made us, I think, feel a lot more comfortable asking for more and just kind of allowed us to recognize patterns that the media isn't necessarily going to talk about because it's not always in their best interest. They kind of combat some of those things that I think the media says about us, like, oh, no one wants to be a manager anymore. And like, you know, we see a headline like that and we take the conversation online and it's like, what do they really mean by that? Like, why is this really happening? And kind of like deconstruct it all from the actual viewpoint of the people that they're you know, talking about without really, you know, understanding the experience. Yeah. Or, or almost like the old adage, right? You're at work and you hear it. You hear it just like you read the headlines, right, Ray? You know, you hear it and it says, I'm getting so sick of millennials and their attitude. They're always walking around like they rent the place. You know, I mean, <laughs> not own the place, rent the place. Why? Nothing because to deconstruct there. Brutal. Right, oh, my gosh. They can't Bad afford joke. to own the place. But it's can't... jokes like that, though. It's jokes like that, though. They're not always jokes. They're not always jokes. They hit home in a bad way. Absolutely. And then that it attributes to people walking out the door and taking their friends with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that people are really quick, you know, to call our generation no entitled because of the way that we view work and the boundaries that we're willing to set. But I think also, you know, a point that has been brought up a lot online, you know, by people my age is it's like, the paychecks that we're earning are not taking us as far, you know, like you can't have, you know, even a job like I have and, you know, comfortably own a home, you know, as a millennial, yeah. as, a, as an older Gen Z, because, you know, that market is trash. So it's like why I think that for a lot of millennials and Gen Z, it's like, why would I stay past five for a job that isn't really paying for anything except for me to, you know, scrape by? And I think that's ultimately the bottom line. This is a really point important conversation is why I asked you here today is that business owners, HR, uh, any manager within a business needs to hear this. They need to understand that, yes, I'll just say $60,000 might have been a decent pay years ago, but it's not today. And no, it's not necessarily the business's fault, but it is what it is. My mom just bought me a tank top that said that. Apparently, I say that a lot. It is what it is. And so we have to realize as business owners or anybody that's representing businesses that what we, Gen X and baby boomers, have experienced in our lifetime is completely different than what you are going through today. The violence in the world, you know, the online violence and, and the attacks. And then we blame the employee instead of grabbing that mirror and saying, hey, company, you might be part of the problem. JC has something to say here. In September 2023, the median home price in the United States was four hundred and twelve thousand dollars. That's a 2% increase from 2022. And so folks, to your point. Yep. And folks, this is why I, Wendy Sellers, the HR lady, live in my RV. 
because I want to travel and have fun instead of being tied down to paying a, a house. But Ray brought that up specifically about the cost of housing and the fact that the paychecks aren't giving our workers, young or old, what we need in the workplace. And so really starting to, instead of pointing that finger at your younger workers, grab that mirror and say, what can I do different here? And unfortunately, JC, Ray, you, you tell me what your thoughts are on this. Unfortunately, I think a lot of companies are going to close moving forward in 2024 and beyond because they built their business based on paying workers nothing. Yeah. And, and we do know that there's a huge issue with the commercial market for real estate right now and a drive to get employees back in the workplace and a downturn in the amount of employees being hired remotely. I don't have those stats off the top of my head, but we hear it quite often. So when you compound that with the very specific situation that we're talking about here, when you reach 5 p.m. and that job is just barely above minimum, why are you going to stick around if there's no overtime? Why would you put the extra in? Where is the promise of more for the future? To your point, right? 100%. And additionally, and I I feel like I can't speak to how this has been historically versus how it is now, but I think there's also this growing sentiment among people my age online that, you know, in the past, companies really looked at layoffs as a last resort. And, you know, it wasn't until they were in trouble that they started laying people off. Now it seems, and my company personally has been doing this, that even as profits are growing, they lay people off because they want to see a higher margin. They want to reduce expenses. The way their roadmap for increasing profitability, they say again and again, reduce expense, reduce expense, which translates to cut the workforce, cut the workforce. So for someone like me, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on me to pick up the slack when people are being laid off. And then additionally, it doesn't give me confidence that the same thing isn't going to happen to me because while I'm working so hard to drive this company's profits, you know, that they're making, they could turn around and say, hey, you're too expensive. And then go ahead and lay me off, even though their profits are fine. And that's, I think, something that I don't know if just people my age are just observing it for the first time, you know, because we're younger, or if it's just gen- genuinely kind of the first time that that corporations have been doing this in mass. As of February 16, 2024, 154 tech companies have laid off 39,496 workers just in 2024 alone. Back to you. Yeah, that's six weeks into the into the new year, and I can. Uh, I can assure you that it was exactly what Ray's talking about. It was because of profit, where they may have been making a lot more profit because of the pandemic. And not that it's completely over, but we're moving forward. They're saying, all right, we need to get rid of people so we can keep making money. And it, it, it it's unacceptable to me, the HR lady. Ray, let me ask you this. Beyond the paycheck, what are you looking for in a job? Are you seeking more of a, an extended family vibe or something else? I think for me, I will say that when when a company says we're like a family, for me, that's a red flag. <laughs> but I I think for me, and I and I'll say this in interviews, I'm very upfront about it. You know, I really, really, you know, value my work life balance. And I don't want to be, you know, working 45, 50 hour weeks. You know, I want to be in that nice like 40 to 45 range. And I'm fine being in that 45 range. But, you know, once we start pushing past that, like I am going to start being unhappy. 
So that's something that I, you know, is important to me. And I honestly look for that not only, you know, in an employer, but also in the type of industries that I choose to go to, et cetera. And then also I think, you know, the flexibility to work from home. I currently work from home and it's really important to me. And I think for me, it honestly doesn't really come down to going into an office that would be, you know, irritating for me. You know, I love living, I love being able to work with my dog. That's, that's always nice. But for me, I really just don't have confidence that I'd be able to make the amount of money that I make where I live. Um, there's just not a lot of the industry that I'm in here. And I would probably have to move to go work in an office. And I don't want to do that. Um, I love it here. Right. So for me, that's that's really, I think, another another thing about, you know, remote work is you can hire talent from, you know, anywhere. And, you know, I think that they appreciate being remote. So my company personally is looking at getting rid of, you know, their or at least downsizing their main office to you know, be able to retain that remote workforce. I know it's a difficult decision, but I know it's something that everyone that works remotely at my company is very relieved that, you know, there will be expectations for us to suddenly come into office or, you know, for someone like me, you know, probably just be fired because that's not going to happen. Right. Because you don't live there. So you would have to relocate, which they're probably not going to pay for. And even if they did, the cost of living of where they want you to go to might be completely different based on where you're at now. And then on top of that, you may just not be happy in that geographical geographical location. So all very valid points. So you're seeing remote work, and and I do too, as as a benefit, but not only just a benefit, part of the company culture, right? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I personally still find it very easy to bond with my coworkers, you know, in a remote setting. I think it's just all about, you know, the culture that you create and, you know, creating time for that. And not a lot of time, but, you know, I think just generally the culture of being friendly and if you naturally build that, you know, so in collaboration, I personally have not been having issues with it, honestly. I've been working remotely now since since the start of the pandemic. So it's been four years now. now. Right. So it's coming some second nature to you. And I think also because of the age range that you're in, you're more familiar with technology or at least how to use technology, maybe not how to build it or, or edit it, but how to use it. So it's much more comfortable. I really thought, Ray, that that was an excellent point that you just made that said all your peers are comfortable remote, where I think just put it bluntly, many owners of companies and board members who are making those decisions of return to the office are of a different age and they're not comfortable with remote. So that's why they're bringing everybody back. That's that's my opinion. And JC and I have done many podcasts on this and you know validated all that information with statistics. I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about professional development and coaching. As a borderline Gen Z millennial, what kind of training or professional opportunities, professional development opportunities do you value the most? Yeah. So, you know, there's always conferences, et cetera. You know, I enjoy those. I wouldn't say that necessarily they sway me to work at a company or not. I think the big things for me are probably like tuition reimbursement for continued education. And additionally, and I feel like this is one that might not directly fall under, you know, the professional development category, but investing in tools that, you know, help me do my job that are enterprise level so I can gain experience with tools that only a company can afford. So for instance, for me, that's going to be tools like DB360, you know, programmatic advertising tools. 
live ramp, you know, just basically tools that, you know, are very expensive. So I wouldn't be able to personally have access to them. And they do help the company do their job. I think that, you know, there's also a way to invest in professional development while simultaneously investing, you know, in the actual job as well. Yeah. And it's also very important to know for our listeners today or who are mostly in the HR space, ops, business owners, is that as a W-2 employee, not a contractor, not a 1099 contractor, the tools are the company's responsibility. So if anybody's out there going, oh, my my employee is saying, oh, I have that tool at home. I'll just bring it in. If it's an actual tool or a software tool, no, 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 no. You're going to get yourself in hot water there. Sure. Is it something that you can agree on? Yes. But you could get yourself in trouble because you, the company, are supposed to be providing all those tools. So if you're doing an interview and asking people what kind of tools they have, it should be what kind of tools have you used or are you willing to learn? So a little side note there from the legal side. Another question that I have for you, you know, based on, you know, the younger worker aspect is about feedback and recognition and and even coaching. How do you prefer to receive feedback and recognition for your work? And what makes you feel valued and motivated from your manager? Yeah, I think a nice, you know, pat on the back is is good, you know, but I think that ultimately we want to see that translated to raises, promotions, et cetera. You know, when I'm getting good feedback, I want that to be brought up in conversations about how I'm going to progress in the company. So ultimately, it's nice to get a good job. But, you know, at the end of the day, I want to be talking about how those good jobs add up to an eventual promotion, a raise, you know, something that, you know, makes me feel like I am being recognized for my work. Right. You want clarity. You want transparency. You want honesty. You want a path forward. And and I am hearing that a lot. And I'm telling you, all generations wanted that. And we didn't get it. We Baby boomers didn't get it. Gen X didn't get it. Most of the older millennials didn't get it. And it definitely was never right. So I, for one, am probably one of the few HR people. Well, I wouldn't say that. Most of my peers that I actually like believe the same way as me that says, hey, you know what? If you gave it to us too and gave us a plan and follow through on what you said, you wouldn't have such a bad name in the in the universe. So one last question for you, Ray. Key change is desired. If you can change one thing about how your company, your manager, or your HR team operates, what would it be and why? I mean, I think ultimately that thing that I was talking about, about really trying to cut expenses and really making that be the path forward for profitability. It's like, no, we should really be looking at how we can expand our revenues if we're having you know profitability problems. We shouldn't be looking to cut our own workforce and just you know stretch people even thinner. But, you know, beyond that, I realize that there's not a lot. I think that it's very high up decision makers who are making those types of calls. But I think as far as someone who's kind of the middle person between making those calls and communicating them, I think that at least for me, I have a problem with false positivity. I don't like it when, you know, a, a manager comes to me and says something like, oh, we're actually not hiring another person. We're going to do this instead and have a temporary solution and acts like it's, you know, a great thing and it's going to make me so happy when, you know, in reality, they are delivering me bad news and they know that and I know that. So why are we acting like, you know, it's all good? Like, why can't we have a real conversation about why this is happening, what this means, and the threshold that we need to get to in order to make the things happen that we actually want to happen. 
But I think that ultimately, at the end of the day, like those people are the people that are communicating these decisions to me, they're not excited about them either. They also know it's bad. So, you know, I think I understand, you know, needing to, to, you know, like toe the company line. But I think that, you know, you also need to be able to have, you know, candid conversations when you're delivering news that's clearly disappointing. And I think that's a hard thing to do. But I, I do find it personally frustrating enough that when you ask me the one thing <laughs> that yeah. comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean, I think I'll, I, va- I validate all of your responses and I really appreciate this. I really, truly hope that our listeners yeah. are going to dive into this and say, all right, we have a young worker who obviously is not just somebody who says, oh, I want all this stuff. You seem to be very, very hardworking and know what you want. Now, people listen. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on today, Ray. I really appreciate it. As the HR lady, everybody, I'm always looking for feedback on the program. Feel free to reach out at any time. Let me know what you think, what you want to talk about, who you want to, who you want us to interview. And if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, we'd love to hear from you. Just visit thehrlady.com to get in touch. Thanks for joining us and take care.